Genesis chapter 6. I want you to go with me. I want you to read, follow with me in a couple of passages of scripture. Then the Lord, verse 5 of Genesis 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the Lord said, I will destroy. He said, I will destroy. Let me find it again. I lost my place. Okay, verse 7. So I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing in the birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, everybody say, but Noah. Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. And set the door of the ark in, it, in its side. And you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth. To destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is in the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, and you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Father, I thank you right now for fresh insight and revelation. Open every eye, let every ear hear without distortion what you are saying in the name of Jesus. Amen. I could look at this book, I could look at this message God's given me in two different ways. The first way we'll look at it like this. God said in a previous verse, I didn't want to read every verse, but I needed to read those. The first thing that God said, because of the wickedness that was filling the earth, God said, I've had enough. Matter of fact, he says, I believe it's around verse 3, somewhere there. He said, I will not always strive with man. So God said, I'm going to bring a judgment. That's basically what he's saying. I'm going to bring a judgment on the wickedness that is in the earth. And I'm going to do it by, by bringing a flood and I'm going to cleanse the whole earth. So here's the first way we could look at it. Judgment 
is pending because of the violence and the junk and the ungodliness that is in the earth. Matter of fact, he even set a date. He said man's days will be 120 years. So it could be that we could look at it that not only is judgment there, but the end of all things as we've known it is coming to pass quickly. There's an end to everything. We'll talk about the last days. Joel said in the last days, we Pentecostals, Charismatics, we're great about last days. So if this thing is forever, then we've got to change our wording or we've got to figure out what we've been saying is not true. But if God says that we're in the last days, then somewhere that last moment of time for everything as we know it right now is coming to an end. But I also could look at it a second way. Maybe I could look at it as the greatest revival that the earth has ever seen. Because in the midst of when God said, I'm going to bring judgment upon the earth, he has a man build a boat. And he said, I want you and your family to go into it and take care of all these animals. And it's though God is going to do this major reset. So that everything... So that he said, everything that's in the boat, he said, let it come so that everything that is in the boat can live. So however you want to look at it, it could be this. There is revival pending for us right now for everyone that will embrace it. But there is also judgment for those that will not embrace it. Hello? When Brother Steve was here a few weeks ago, I never thought about this. Never thought about this until he said it. Because I've always used the story of Noah. You know, he builds this boat, the floods come and all that good stuff. And Steve, Brother Steve gave us, I think he said there were some 750,000 people, population in the known world at that moment of time. However, he figured that out. And all 750 had an opportunity to get on that boat. I never thought about that. But you have to understand something. God was doing something that had never been done. So now we've got a pending judgment coming, but we've also got a pending revival. And what is really going to be massive about it or going to be a great tool in the midst of it is this thing that God said to Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark. So the word of the Lord that I have for you this morning is, let's build an ark. Let's build an ark. Look at your neighbor. They're going to put it up on the screen Let's build an ark. You and I have to look at this ark in a different way, in a different light. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you about four arks that are found in the scripture. So I want you to hang on with me for just a few moments, all right? He said to Noah, remember, we're talking about pending judgment or we're talking about great revival that can absolutely cleanse and take over the land. But the key part of it is what is taking place in this ark. 
It was at that moment, and I believe it is in this moment. Back there, it was a boat. Let me give you an insight right here real quick. What God is talking about is, he said, I'm going to use my church to be the safest place on the planet. And through my church, I will keep people alive. God has always intended on using his church. But we got to look at his church because we've gone to church instead of being the church. We're looking at buildings instead of looking at individuals that are the body of Christ and carry the life of God on the inside of us. And many people are saying, God, move. And God is shouting from heaven, I'm wanting you to move. I'm ready for you to get off of your do nothing. I'm ready for you to get out of your religious, your religiosity and start doing the things that I have told you to do. First of all, there's a couple definitions for the word ark. Two Hebrew definitions. The first one, the name, the word used for, for the ark is tava, T-A-V-A. And it just simply means, it means a boat. And the part of this, the part of this ark, the, the whole picture of it was this. Salvation from judgment and death. Everybody that got on this ark could have been saved. Noah and all of his families. It's a perfect picture of Christ and his church. Do you ever think about that? Notice what the Bible said. All flesh was evil, but Noah found grace. And the word goes on to say that Noah was righteous and perfect in all of his ways. Now, none of us were, none of us could do it. But God said through Noah, Noah, I'm giving you a plan. I want you to build this church so that you and your family, you and your sons and daughters can be saved. It took him 120 years to build this boat. Isn't it interesting that God said in the previous verse that man's days would be 120 years. And I find it very interesting that it took Noah 120 years to build the boat. Because God was talking not only about life here, but he's talking about eternal life. That man would be saved not only, not only from the judgment and death of this earth, but we would be saved to enjoy all the greatness that heaven can afford us. So he said, I want you to build this boat. And he gives him an instruction. Notice some things about the boat. He told him it's going to be made out of gopher wood. Oh, let me back up. I'm, I got so much in my, my heart and my head this morning. And it's both places, believe me. I've got so much of that that I, I've got to get it out quickly. Uh, but remember what Jesus said. Je uh, in Matthew chapter 16, the scripture tells us when he gave the keys to Peter. He, he said, I've come to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It could not overcome it. It could not stop it. But the church would increase in such a way. It would increase such a way that it would push hell completely out of its borders. Never thought about this to this right now. You remember when Jesus went to the, to the shore of the, where the man of the Gadarenes was and he was full of demons. And when Jesus confronted the demons, they said, don't, don't command us to leave the region. 
think about this. They said, don't command us to leave the region. And Jesus commands the demons to come out of the man. And they said, then give us the liberty to go somewhere. And they went into a herd of swine. Where did the swine go? They went into the sea. So here's the point. The church, when it's moving and operating the way it should be. Demons can no longer stay in the region. We the church began to push them out of the land. <coughs> so he said I'm building my church. He said this is how you build this thing. I want it to be an ark made of gopher wood. Wood speaks of humanity. It wasn't one piece. It was a lot of trees that had to be put together. I'll talk about that in just a moment. It was trees that were being formed together, working in harmony and working in unity. Church, I want to give us an instruction if we're going to be the church. Please hear me. I'm so tired of hearing pastors, leaders, even church people attacking ministries you know nothing about. Nothing. We take 20-second snippets and we make judgments upon everything. We Pentecost, I'm, I, I was contemplating all last week of, of making a, <coughs> a video just for my pastors throughout the region to share what I'm going to share with you now. Because see, I've come up Pentecostal all my life. And if we're not being thrown in the floor, hooping and hollering, and bouncing around, then we're really not where God wants us to be. And there's other ministries that don't do that at all. And they believe in the power of God. They, they've been given everything under the sun. I'll, I'll give you one. I probably shouldn't do this knowing that I'm being, you know, over Facebook. One ministry, one of the greatest ministry in our nations is Joel Osteen. And he's been attacked by more Pentecostals than you could ever imagine. He carries a message of hope. He carries a message of life. A message of love. That's his call and that's his mandate. I've always noticed this when I've watched his program. I don't watch him every week. <coughs> hey, find me a cup of coffee or something. I need something warm to break this down. They'll get it for me. He... Uh, Every time I've watched him, I notice this. Y'all watch it sometime. You ought to. Matter of fact, you ought to listen to the whole message. It might help you. I'd like to have some coffee, something warm. Thanks. And uh, I've noticed everybody in the pews has a Bible and a notepad. And everybody in that place is taking notes. Everybody. From the floor to the bleachers. You say, Pastor, that isn't nothing. Oh, it must be because you don't take note of something you don't believe and have confidence in. Hello? I thought, man, my people don't do that. Sorry. Some don't even bring their Bible. And if we didn't have it up on the screen, I don't know that you would know where we're at. Sorry, I'm not scolding anybody. I'm making a point. And then the other day, I had one of the greatest testimonies in the area. It's a church uh, over in Kentucky. Friends of mine, I know them. It's what some have tight labeled in the day. Labeled in the hour. You know, that's one of those attraction churches. 
That's one of those churches, you know, they're not going to let Holy Ghost move. They're just going to keep everybody, you know, we call them seeker churches. You know, because they're not Pentecostal, we think everybody's compromising. Happened to be my wife's cousin goes to church there. And her family. I said, Jan, how's the church going? She said, oh, pastor, it's going great. I didn't ask how many people they had. I didn't ask how their worship. I didn't ask anything. But before I could go to anything else about that church, she said, it is changing my husband. He is not the same man. He's not operating. He's totally different. Matter of fact, she said for the first, she called me the other day. We talked for 30 minutes. She said, I want to tell you, the other day in service when we got home, when we got home, David said, I can't explain it, but I had an encounter with God in service this morning. She said she didn't have to ask him. He wanted to talk about it throughout lunch and throughout the day. God was transforming. And I said all of that to say this. We will never come into harmony and unity to be the church. If we don't look past some of our own, our ideas, we're all called to different things. I'm not called to do what everybody else does. I'm not called to their message. It's not I'm wrong. It's not they're wrong. It's where we all are. And I believe one of the most divisive things, even in our present age, has been technology that pushes us out. And we think everybody ought to be like that. And we can't do it. So he said, build this boat. That's off. I better get off that soapbox. Somebody looks like they want to hurt me now. So he said, let's build this ark of gopher wood. So it's the wood had to be put together. It had to be pitched. And remember, the ark represents salvation from judgment and death. So he said, let's build, let's build this thing. And he also said, it's supposed to be this long. There was nothing ever been built like that on the earth before. Over 400, and I, I don't know, Alan and Miss Cindy had just come back from there a few weeks ago. So did Pastor Val and Sherry. Me and Diane wanted to go and be there. As a matter of fact, me and Chad, when I told him what God had put in my heart, he said, let's go do some filming with your message over there. And we just never got to go do it. But that boat was massive. Can you imagine if you've never seen rain like that? And you've really maybe never seen, seen a body of water like that to see a boat build this thing some 400. I, I want to say I may be way off on my measurements. I know it, it talked about it being so many cubits. But I, measure, I think if I got it right, it was like 400 and feet, 450 feet long. That is quite big. It's probably bigger than that. And it's probably, if you could imagine this church, this, this auditorium alone right here is 75 feet from, from the back wall to the back wall. If you could imagine that four different times or three different times and the width of this thing just about as wide and the height of this thing even taller than where it is. I believe it speaks of the kingdom. Because this, when Jesus came, remember I spoke to you last week, a son will be given, a, ch a child is born and a son will be given and the government shall be upon on his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And of the increase of his government and kingdom, there will be no end. It spoke of the kingdom being spread out all over the earth. He said there would be a door in it. 
The only way into this thing is not through a party. You can't buy your way in. You can't buy your way out. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. There was one door, but there was a window as well. We could, there's many, as I was looking over this and trying to find out what did that window represent. It represented one, it could have been for ventilation, but the word says God breathed into man and man became a living soul without the the breath of God and without the spirit of God we are empty we are powerless matter of fact you are lifeless you are just a form you are nothing but a dirt bag you're a dust ball without the spirit of God filling your lungs hello but it could also speak of revelation of giving light the light of God to direct and let us know what is taking place because we need God's direction in our days. There were three levels or three rows. There were three decks in that. I believe that speaks of discipleship. Listen, because we're not all at the same level in this place. The Bible speaks of babes. It speaks of children and it speaks of full-blown adult sons and daughters. And I believe that that in the kingdom, there are brand new babies that are thumb suckers. They got to have their diapers constantly changed. And there's children that act unruly. They don't know how to sit still. And then there's some adults that are supposed to know how to take care of everything down below. Are y'all with me? We're building an ark. Hello, let's build an ark. A place where men, where the life of God is, where men can come in and be saved. But there was food in there. There was meat in that ark. There was seed in that ark. Everything they would need for life was found in that ark. But there was one other thing that I want to come to in just a few moments as I land this jet. Notice the Bible talked about this ark. There were many rooms. There were many Rooms in it. I'll hold that for a moment. I want to go to the other arcs real quick. The next arc that falls in line, the same definition, is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 2. You remember Israel is in bondage and they're increasing mightily and they're increasing to the point that the Pharaoh commands them to kill the children. Matter of fact, he tells the midwives, don't deal with the, with the Hebrew women. But they were increasing so rapidly. And somehow they found favor. Even with the Egyptian midwives. That they wouldn't kill the baby. But in chapter 1. At the last verse. I believe it's verse 21. I believe it's where it is. That Pharaoh gave a command. That all the male children. Would be cast into the river. And they would die in the river. Now in chapter 2. You know. Moses has been born, has been born, and his mother for a few months has been trying to protect him. But in order to keep him alive, she builds an ark. The term in the Bible is bulrush, which was made out of the weeds, out of some of these vines that grow along the shores of the water. And they were put together in, in a basket form and they were pitched from within and without. Give you a little, give you a little insight into something. Because I thought, Lord, remember the big boat was also fixed with pitch or it would leak. And pitch could have been 
something like, I, I'm gonna, I, the only way I know how to say it was more than mud. It was minerals, maybe even like a tire pit or something like that that they would use and they would seal it inside and out. But the Hebrew definition for the word pitch is atonement. And so that basket was covered with what we want to say. It was the atoning sacrifice that was being made. And she put her baby boy into it and cast him into the river. Remember, the river was going to be a symbol of death. It was a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Because after she put him in it, Cast him into the river to die. Down just a few feet below. Maybe a few feet past. One of Pharaoh's daughters was bathing. And she hears a sound. And she goes and she finds this little basket. And she brings him forth out of death. It is a picture to us of the death, burial, and resurrection. What does that have to do with the first ark? Our message is this. Jesus Christ, the center of our life, and he was dead, he, he died, and he rose again so that every one of us could have life and have it more abundantly. See, that ark represented, as the worship team is coming back, y'all help me speed things up. That ark represented us being free from slavery and from the wages of sin. He came to free us. We're not to live as slaves. To all my folks that deal with addiction, and I'm not talking about those that, that I'm talking about illicit drugs. It could possibly be every one of us in this room deals with some measure of addictive form. We don't take it that way because it's, it's not, you know, chocolate cake is not illegal. Popeye's chicken is not illegal. I can buy it on the open market. I don't have to hide to go in there. But I want to tell you, it can create me issues just like. It can create me issues just like. And the reality is, it's the same addiction. It's the same spirit that we just don't identify that way. God never meant for us to be a slave to the world's systems. We're to be free and to live above it. That's why I believe we have to start thinking differently even about our finances. I know my, my heart is, I told you I want to be out of debt. But I'm not choosing to get out of debt to be out of debt. Because the man under the bridge is out of debt. You didn't hear me. But he don't have squat. He's under the bridge. He's possibly sitting at a road corner. With the sign says, will you help me? See, there's people in this room. Matter of fact, could be many of us are in that boat in the area of our finances. You can't breathe and move. But God said, I want you free from that. If you're going to live as a, if you're going to live free from slavery, then there's a whole new life that God wants us to live in. Are you okay? She said, he said, I, I want to free you. I want you to know there's a place of safety. There's a place of life. 
And it's through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Let me give you the third. Here's the second definition of the word ark. And it was found in the book of Exodus when God gave Moses a command to build the ark of the covenant. It's the word Aaron, A-R-O-N. It's another word for the word chest. A chest, a box. What could this box be? This box was nothing but a place where the glory and the presence and the power of God, God chose, that's where I will dwell among my people, Brother Tom. That he fixed this box. It was made out of wood. It was humanity. It was overlaid with pure gold. In other words, heaven had touched it. Two angels were watching over it. And upon the top of it was the place called the mercy seat. That none of us deserve the goodness of God. But the mercy of God overshadowed all the stuff that I could do. Matter of fact, can I say, can I say it like this? God's redemption is far greater than any of his judgment. I hear people talking all the time about God's going to judge this earth. I, well, he said it in his word. But I'm telling you, his redemption is far more valuable to him than any judgment that he will ever bring upon this planet. So he said at the mercy seat, God makes a covenant. I freed you. I call you now sons and daughters. You can walk in my blessing. Your enemy will be my enemy. What opposes you will oppose me. I'll bless your bread and water. He said, I'll take sickness away from you. He said, there'll be no more miscarriages. There'll be no more barrenness. He said, you will live long lives. Hello. I don't know about you. I plan on living a long time. A long, long time. I don't want my kids having all my stuff. I'm going to use it all up. No, just kidding. Because <laughs> it says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children. But that's what the word said. And God said, when the enemy sees you because you're in covenant with me, they will tuck their tail and run when you and I get up of a morning. But you and I got to get into the ark. And in that ark, in that ark of the covenant were a couple of things. Was the rod of Aaron that budded. That rod spoke of authority. I'm here to let you know, church, God has given you authority. You want to know what this year is going to be like? It's going to be by what you say it's going to be. Hello. If you keep saying my family's falling apart, that's all you're going to get. But if you will start speaking what God said. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. You got to start declaring what God said. Not only was it the authority of God, but the word of God was in there. Church, listen, you and I have got to get into the word for ourselves. I can only hang on to Charlie for so long. 
I can run on somebody else's rev. I need the word of God in me. I listen to all kinds of people. I'm listening to, I've listened to more faith people in the last three years than ever. But I can't live on just hanging on to Brother Copeland. Somewhere he may go. I've got to have some word on the inside of me. So here's the last chest and then I'm going to back and we're done. Because we're building an ark. You never thought about this. But the Bible said in the book of Luke chapter 2. Same word is used. Said when the angels appeared to the shepherds by night. Said fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you and this people. Is born this day in the city of David a savior. Which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you that you shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and he'll be lying in a manger. The same definition for that manger is the same definition as it was for the Ark of the Covenant. That holy place, that atoning sacrifice for all men, yet in him was all the goodness and the greatness of God, all the blessings of God. But not only there, not only there, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 1. John, John chapter 14 and verse 1. Listen to this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. Wow, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. That's how we used to sing it. One day in heaven, I believe it was far greater revelation than what Jesus was talking about in heaven. But he was talking about here in the earth. I go to prepare a place, a kingdom, a church for my people. And my people are my dwelling place. Remember the ark? There were many rooms. You remember the manger? The definition is a chest that holds the glory of God. And this is what God says. This place right here, your innermost person, is the same definition as that manger, as that ark of the covenant. You become the dwelling place of the glory of God. You're looking for glory. And God says glory is on the inside of you. So if we're going to be the church, everybody that gets close to me can be saved. Everybody that gets close to you can be saved if they'll crawl in to the Jesus. If they'll crawl into the Jesus that's in you. Church, it's time for us to be the church. It's no longer about this building. But it's about us being the carriers of the glory. The glory of God. The healing of God. The provision of God. The health, the joy, the peace of the Lord. I, I'm looking at it. But the church is sitting. And they're waiting. I wish God would do something for me. I wish God would use me. Remember what I said a while ago? Quit trying to do what I do. Or what some others do. Because that's not your call. 
I saw some fabulous things over the holidays. I saw some incredible bakers. I saw some incredible gift wrappers. I know y'all wanted to hire me after you saw my gifts I wrapped for the Christmas party. But you know, why do we put everything of church in the same box when I look around, there's a former lineman over there. There's a, there's a retired nurse back there. A prac- I don't know what else you did, but I know he worked via. There, there's a former vet, a veterinarian over there. There was a guy, a lawyer in law and all that stuff sitting right there. there there's a radio personality right there. There's construction workers in this room. There, there's, there's a, a hair bow tire sitting over there. There's a healthcare worker back there. There's an engineer back there and back there. There's all kind. There's a sailor back there. There's a guy that knows more about rocks than anybody I know. He blows them up for a living sitting over there. And yet we try to be all the same thing. God said, Do you know what? Did you ever think that your gift may just be your heart of love to take the, the gifts that you got, the natural talents that you got to do something with it? Do you ever think about what it might happen if, if maybe you take, if, if you take that ability to, to cook? See, you know what I want to, I'm going to go bless somebody today. Maybe an open a door for them to build a relationship that I could get them into to the ark so they can know Jesus. Take in your natural ability. There's a, there's a, he's retired now, I think, but Raymond Petzl's built more stuff. Matter of fact, he played a big role that I understand 30 years ago in remodeling this place here. There's car salesmen, there's everything else in this room. And for some reason, we all try to be the, whatever body else is instead of being what we are and just starting. Well, pastor, I, I want to be involved. You know what? There's not enough room in a church service to get everybody in this place involved. Some of you can't sing, so I don't want you on the platform. I'm sorry. Some of you can't preach, so I'm not going to put you up here. I mean, there's a lot. Some of you don't have the patience of a pea to work with children, so I'm not throwing you back there. Some of you don't smile, so I'm not going to make you a greeter at the door. Hello. And some of you don't care, so you get overlooked. But what if you just started (coughs) in the time of this fasting to say, God, I'm a part of your church. Will you use my life? Will you use my life for something significant for kingdom that maybe I can be a life-saving agent to get people into the ark. I'm asking us to be more merciful than we've ever been. I'm asking us to be more loving than we've ever been. I'm asking us to maybe look out in more ways to do something for God than we've ever done. If you'll just start with where you are, 
Whether I ask you, any of this leadership ask you or not, you can start serving in kingdom. And I've learned this. Sometimes the insignificant things will position you for the greatest place of your life. David became a king because he was willing to take bread and cheese to somebody to check on his brothers. That's all his assignment was. It can position you for a throne. He said, build an ark. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you how we're going to do that. Even in a greater way, I believe the Lord has put in my heart. It's not anything you haven't heard. I'll share that. But it's going to refresh your mind. 